And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of This Show is All About You, a show about all the ways in which you and me connect as we and what that means for all of us. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. You can find more about me at my website, which is wordsbyjdk.com, and on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look up my last name, W-Y-N-E-K-E-N, and you should find me rather easily. Would love to chat with you, hear from you, and uh, see what's going on in your worlds. Uh, Welcome to episode number 56 for January 31st, 2022. And the title of today's show is Seasoned to Taste. Seasoned to Taste. And it's a subject that kind of came about really quickly. It's literally within the last 24 hours that that I realized that this is what I was going to be talking about. And before I get into that, give you an idea of where we're going, as always, with a haiku at the top of the show. And this week's goes like this. All the best of life comes from the blending of tastes with each soul we love. All the best of life comes from the blending of tastes with each soul we love. And uh, before we uh, jump into this, it's going to be another one of those wondering days like I had (laughs) last week, rather than big declarative statements or things like that. Just kind of wondering about some things. Uh, Before we do that, uh, I want to make sure I give thanks uh, again to the sponsor of the show, Airway Science for Kids. They are a uh, nonprofit based down in the Portland, Oregon area that provides life and career pathway opportunities for underserved youth in aviation and aerospace. And they do that not only by pointing kids in the direction of the hundreds of careers available in aviation and aerospace, um, but also by helping them better connect with themselves, build confidence, build self-advocacy, and uh, connect with organizations, groups, individuals that can help them strengthen their own lives their families, and their communities. If you'd like to know about the amazing work that Airway Science for Kids does, you can check them out at their website, airsci.org, A-I-R-S-C-I.org, or you can reach out to them via email uh, using the address info at airsci.org. So thank you to them once again for sponsoring this show. So as I said just a minute ago, this is going to be another one of those wondering (laughs) episodes. Uh, And I got really great feedback on last week's uh, episode on that. And, and so I really enjoyed coming to you from that space. It was, uh, it was a little bit different. I, I listened to the, the playback of the episode and sounded a little different than I sometimes do. <laughs> maybe, maybe less tense, maybe less, I don't know, activated. I'm not sure what it was. But nevertheless, I'm kind of in a similar mode today. And, uh, but it's going to be in a little bit of a different way. Last week was talking about Martin Luther King Jr., but this is... Uh, This episode is mainly about the nature of the things that we love in life, particularly other people, family, friends, partners, whatever it might be. Uh, And it's about how really one of the things I'm realizing the last couple of years is the only constant within each of these relationships that we care about that there really is is change, right? Alongside the level of choice we each have in them in every step of the way, whether they are relationships that last for simply one reason, a season, or a lifetime. And it's a real biggie topic, but I'm going to hopefully kind of keep it contained by focusing it around a story having to do with spaghetti sauce. (laughs) It's a spaghetti sauce that's actually a famous recipe in my family, and and it has been in my family since the Second World War. Uh, And it matters that it's a Second World War uh, recipe um, because it came from that era for very specific reasons. So... Um, I'll tell you the story about it, obviously, uh, but it's a red sauce, but it doesn't have any beef in it. 
Right? Um, so it's like a marinara sauce, but it's it's got no beef in it. And that was pretty standard in World War II. In World War II, of course, beef was at a premium, and so beef was largely saved to be sent to the troops fighting in Europe and the Pacific. And so on the home front, things other than beef, particularly pork, uh, was pushed pretty strongly. And so um, this recipe, one of the things that makes it what it is, is it has bacon instead as its primary meat ingredient, uh, along with onions, and then it also has mushroom steak sauce in it, and a heavy dose of chili powder, some salt and pepper to taste, and that's about it. Uh, and the reason why it entered our family is it entered our family through one of my aunts uh, during World War II, my Aunt Sharice. And she got it off of a radio show or radio ad during the war. You know, and there were a lot of those types of advertisements and shows and little helpful hints put out in newspapers and magazines and on the radio during the war to help people make the most of what they had. Of course, there was a lot of, there were ration cards during the Second World War. Certain letters meant you could get certain rations, certain amounts of everything from uh, from bacon to butter to milk to cheese, whatever the case may be. And then, of course, uh, victory gar- so-called victory gardens were pushed for people to grow their own vegetables, that type of thing. So it was considered part of the home front war effort for um radio shows and stuff like that to offer these types of recipes. So this is one that, for whatever reason, stuck. And uh, at least the way the story came down to me was my Aunt Charisse, who for most of my life lived on the East Coast, uh, brought this into the family, and it became famous. And it's known in my family, always has been, as Aunt Charisse's spaghetti sauce. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, with this, she warrants a mention, too. Uh, my Aunt Charisse, I sat, I sat back and thought about this yesterday as I was making this sauce. Um, and I've only actually sat in the same room with my Aunt Charisse a handful of times in my life. Um, mainly sh- she is a number of years older than my own parents. And we lived in Hawaii for a good portion of my life and they lived in Florida. And so all their kids were a lot older than me and my sister and, and that type of thing. And so when, when we saw each other, it was usually at family reunions, and I believe they came out to Hawaii once to visit when I was really young. And uh, I remember my Aunt Charisse is, is, she's still alive, she's in her 90s, she's in hospice currently and, and suffering from dementia, uh, but she was one of the kindest, is one of the kindest and most creative people I've ever been around. And on that visit to Hawaii, I don't remember much of it, but I do remember feeling really comfortable around her. And after that visit, every year on my birthday, without fail, all the way up into my college years, she sent me a book of poetry. Early on, it was a book of her poetry. She was a poet. She loved to write and was really good at it and had that kind of spirit oftentimes that that poets, who particularly ones who write about nature and sort of the subtle things that, that often uh, get by a lot of us, Uh, often exhibit. And she did that every year. And I looked forward to it every year. And it was this great connection piece between me and her. And it's, it's um, other years, uh, it was poems by uh, poems by a favorite of hers that she had discovered. And she'd leave a little note um, inside the book cover as to why she sent it, why she'd chosen it for me. And there was something where I felt really special (laughs) with her. And it's definitely one of the reasons why I myself became interested in not only reading poetry, but writing it. 
And so I consider her one of the major influences in that side of me. Now, and it's one of those connections that I have with her that goes beyond proximity and time spent together into those realms of connections that kind of defy explanation and, and honestly really don't need it. You know, like I said, I've only sat in a room with her a few times. And the last time I saw her was just a couple years ago. I went down to uh, Northern California for a memorial for another member of our family. And I had not seen my Aunt Charisse in 25 years. And um, her, her children, my cousins, I got there. Uh, they got there before she did. And so they told me, they said, hey, you know, she's suffering from dementia. She's not remembering a lot of people. She sometimes goes in and out, but sometimes just isn't isn't really aware of what's going on. So, you know, she might not recognize you. I was like, okay. So, <laughs> so then she showed up and my uncle was pushing her in her wheelchair. And so I went to the door of this place where we were meeting and I opened the door and she was still probably 25, 30 feet away. And in a moment, I will never forget as long as I live. She looked at me and pointed at me and said, JD, after 25 years, she knew who I was. And it was amazing. Her kids were amazed. <laughs> I was amazed. And at one point uh, during the reception, we sat and talked about poetry and writing uh, for almost an hour. And she was lucid and we were connected and we were talking about the things that we'd always loved to talk about. And um, it was wonderful for as long as it lasted. And so all those things come to mind when I make this sauce, <laughs> the spaghetti sauce. And I was making it yesterday. <laughs> and that's sort of where this idea came from. Uh, I was down visiting my parents and we decided to make this spaghetti sauce for dinner. And, and so it was kind of, it's better if you cook it most of the day. And, and over the years, I've kind of experimented and added some things to it. Like I've added garlic and sliced and diced mushrooms. Uh, I also like mine spicy, so I tend to up the chili powder if I'm making it just for me. So it's gone through some permutations, at least for me, uh, over the years. And so we were making it. And this is where this all came from. So my mom kind of took charge, put everything together, got it all in the pot. And then she said, J.D., I think we have a little bit of an issue. So I wander over to the, the stove with her. We're looking at the pot. She goes, it's, it's a little thick. And she said, I don't have enough tomato sauce. And I put in some tomato paste. And I'm not sure. What can we do? So the first thing we did was he threw in a can of diced tomatoes, a little bit of liquid. Okay, well, that, that helped a little bit. But it needed to thin out a little bit. So I kind of looked at looked at each other, and, and I don't know, for whatever reason, when my mom and I are cooking together, we, we talk in conspiratorial tones, like we're trying to get away with something. But she said to me, she goes, what can we add to it? Like, we're kind of whispering over there by the kitchen. What can we add to it? And I said, I don't know, what do you think? And she looked at me and said, what about some red wine? Maybe some red wine would work. I said, yeah, let's put some red wine in. So we put in a little bit of red wine, stirred it, needed a little bit more, tasted it, of course, to make sure you don't overpower it, because that's going to matter here. And we nailed it. And so we got it and we cooked it and we slow cooked it all day. And then when we served it, it was fabulous. And certainly the red wine had added a new ingredient. So it still tasted the same. And yet it was with something new. And it might not always be an ingredient that I would, that I would include. But now I know it can work well if necessary. And food recipes, of course, do that. They evolve over time. And we all just kind of roll with that, right? Because... <laughs> You know, unless, you know, you get too crazy because as it's going to be important here in this discussion. You can smother a recipe with too many ingredients. It's a, a little bit of a fine line there. So keep that in mind as we go. So last night, we're sitting over this plate of dinner last night at my folks and I was kind of taking in the time with them. And, and of course, 
my Aunt Cherise came to mind uh, for all the reasons that I've already listed. But it also occurred to me, I had this awareness in myself that there was maybe something deeper in all this that I hadn't really considered before, at least maybe in that moment. You know, yeah, sometimes spaghetti sauce is just spaghetti sauce, but, but not, not this time. Um, so I kind of let that awareness point linger. And a couple hours later, I, I hopped in the car for my hour-long drive home. And on the drive, uh, I kind of let that awareness wander and began to wonder. And so this is where the wondering came from. And I started thinking about, wow, the sauce situation is, could be similar uh, to the relationships that we have with ourselves and others. Um, if we consider them to be like our favorite recipes that we make for ourselves and that we share with other people when we want to, the people that are, that are important to us, right? Think about it. We each have, and each of our relationships have basic ingredients, right? And when we blend them together, as far as ourselves, uh, it makes up who we are. And in those relationships, it makes a very unique recipe to that relationship. Uh, and the dynamics of it can make it a favorite close family member, a close friend, a partner, whatever it might be. And of course, the time we spend with it, the time that we enjoy it adds to its value and its appreciation and the stories, right, get added. Just like every time you share a favorite meal with somebody or a new recipe, it gets remembered and gets incorporated into the lore of that recipe or of the day of the celebration, whatever it might be. And of course, like those recipes, the relationships we have ourselves and with others can change over time. And we can add elements to them. And sometimes those additions can work. <laughs> sometimes they don't. Right? And that's sometimes experimentation shows that. <laughs> we'll talk about that. You know, and so, f- for example, it got me thinking. You know, when we make favorite recipes for others, sometimes we do make adjustments a little bit for the tastes that we know will be at the table. So, for instance, my niece loves this recipe. And so every time I'm around, she always usually asks me to make it. Um, but she is not a big fan of spicy foods, never, never has been. And so I know that when I'm making it, she's going to have it. I tone down on the chili powder in particular. And then I just add a little bit of extra spice to my own plate when the time comes. And I don't think that's a, that's a huge sacrifice to the quality of the recipe. It's, that's where the taste is. Everybody loves the sauce. It's just the taste of certain parts of it is a little different. And it's very much a fine line. Right? We all know what makes a dish work, right? The basic ingredients. You don't necessarily want to mess with those or take those out. This, this recipe would not be the same if you took the bacon out, believe me, <laughs> right? It just wouldn't be. Um, so like with ourselves, we have to know what works for us. And in the close relationships we have, we have to learn and realize what are the things in there that always need to be in that, in that recipe, if you will. But we can make adjustments, Right here and there as needed uh, based on people's tastes. And people's tastes can change over time. Right? They simply can. Our taste buds, the things that we like, uh, the things that sit well with us, the things that don't, those things change over time. And of course, sometimes you can get sick of the recipe and, um, and it has to be unchanged for a while or even unmade for a while. Not because it's bad, but because sometimes you need breaks from it so that it can remain a favorite. <laughs> So you can appreciate the quality of it. And so a lot of times, appreciating the quality of a favorite recipe can involve smaller quantities of it or not making it as often as you once made it. Um, Sometimes it can be that way. I have sometimes, like when I discover something or rediscover a recipe that I love, I will make it over and over again for a while. Um, But then usually after that, I don't 
for a while. And so as I thought about all this, I was bouncing back and forth between how we see food and how well does this work as a metaphor for relationships. I, I wondered, began to wonder what would happen if we actively thought about our sense of self and our relationships this way, and maybe we'd be better off, right? It would allow ourselves and each other to be a little freer, to have space and time, sometimes between servings, right? And still be cherished as a recipe, quote unquote, if you will, rather than, like I said a little while ago, smothered. Putting too many ingredients into ourselves or into a relationship recipe or eating it too often um, can sometimes lead to too much of a good thing or can overpower the recipe. It doesn't taste as good. And if you overpower a recipe, <laughs> there's nothing you can really do to fix that at least not that time, right? You can't take ingredients out in that moment. You kind of have to work with what's there. And so if we look at ourselves as each kind of being our own recipe and knowing what we should stay true to, we can certainly make adjustments for other people and then be aware perhaps when they're, when the recipe of ourselves in relationship comes about that, uh, you know, it might take some adjustments here and there or tastes might change. Another example of this with a different favorite recipe of mine. Um, a lot of friends will tell you that I make a darn good ginger chicken recipe. Um, it's one of my favorites. It's one I've done for quite some time, and it's a good staple. It's in my rotation often. And um, probably a little under two years ago, I was, I was visiting a friend, and uh, they live by themselves and don't often cook for themselves or don't certainly don't often I should say have other people cook for them so while I was visiting them I offered while they were doing their work uh, that day hey I'll cook something and I decided I would cook ginger chicken seemed pretty straightforward and I knew exactly what to get at the store all those kinds of things and I have a set recipe that I make I also make it really spicy I like spicy food now I knew my friend wasn't necessarily going to like everything I was going to put in it and so I made adjustments. And it was a little, it was a little scary. This, this friend of mine is from a cooking family <laughs> who cooked for a living and did it really well. And so there was a little bit of pressure on there, <laughs> but totally self-inflicted, not by them, but, but by me. But nevertheless, it ended up coming out a little bit different than when I make it for myself, because being aware of some things that they didn't like, uh, that I usually put in the recipe. So I took that out and then decided to experiment a little to see if something worked. Um, maybe stress some of the other side flavors in this rather than the ones that I normally push really hard, a lot of ginger, a lot of garlic, um, soy sauce, that type of thing. I ratcheted back from that, and it turned out really well. It was unique in and of itself, uh, and my friend enjoyed it. And it was a great memory. It's one of the best memories I have with, with this friend because of just the dynamic. They got to do what they were doing. I got to kind of see them in action and I got to do this for them. And it was, it was really great. And in that same relationship, as well as in a few others in my life, um, it's one of those uh, friendships where really the opportunity to add in ingredients, subtract them to experiment has always been there. Uh, but it's one of those where that ha hasn't always left the result in the best tasting place, if you will. Not every addition has worked <laughs> and, uh, you know, not every combination has worked. It's 
Sometimes it's been the equivalent maybe of what it would have been like yesterday if my mom and I added too much red wine to the sauce, right? Or too much spice. Um, and sometimes in that relationship as, and in some others in, in, in history for me, ratcheting back to what works uh, turned out to be the best thing, right? Especially since I want to keep loving that recipe, if you will. I want to, I want to keep those friendships, those relationships strong. And so sometimes maybe they don't need as many ingredients as I think maybe they might. So, so sometimes, you know, it seems to me sometimes, particularly when things like that happen, there is a time for those recipes to be put aside, maybe put on the shelf for a while or not kept in the rotation. Not because we don't like them, but in the long run, we'd like to keep enjoying them. We'd like them to stay special, stay unique, where the quality of them becomes more important than the quantity. And when I look at it that way, it's far easier for me to sit with the feelings that can come up when I have time away from various relationships or time where they feel different or where we're not as connected as we've been before or as I would like. Those feelings can be strong sometimes, you know, sadness, frustration, there could be anger, wishful thinking, wondering, you know, self-doubt, all those things. What I like about this idea of kind of thinking about it like a favorite recipe is it allows everybody to just be as they are for a while and for the desire for that dish if you will to come back around again that kind of thing used to not be okay for me and my relationships and I, I wonder if any of you can relate to that whereas like you know when you have a good thing or something you want you want more of it right and but of late that's been changing a little bit and that that metaphor of a of a dish that you kind of need to put aside felt really powerful to me as I was driving home last night. But it's strange because that can run counter to what we think we want and what we need. But if you think about it from a food standpoint, all the things that we really like to eat, we just can't really eat them all the time. <laughs> you know, um, Certainly in some cases, depending on what they are, right? If it's ice cream, can't really have that. I can't eat this spaghetti sauce all the time. I can't particularly with the pasta that goes with it. That won't, <laughs> that, that won't work for me as much. Uh, so with food, we recognize that, but not always with people and not always with those relationships. And one of the things that I love about my relationship with my Aunt Charisse is that connection that has always been there that has not needed a whole lot of analysis, doesn't need explanation, but just exists. And will continue it to exist. She's, you know, she's 93 in hospice, dementia. She's not going to be with us much longer. However, she is going to remain with me after she's gone. I don't think that connection is going to diminish for me just because she's no longer, she's no longer with us. And so, in fact, if nothing else, it will probably add to the feeling when I make that spaghetti sauce in the future Right. And the appreciation that I feel every time I, I make that. And that recipe, therefore, will last. That connection that I have with her will last. And I want those to remain favorites, no matter how often I make the dish, if, if that makes sense. Right. And it applies to some other things, too. You know, if we want to take it away from relationships and, and take a look at ourselves, are there too many ingredients in our individual lives that maybe is smothering our life recipes? <laughs> That could be too many activities, too many commitments, uh, you know, sacrificing something like sleep for other things. Um, are there some ingredients in the life recipe that 
you've tried out that haven't worked or maybe that you used to have a taste for that you don't anymore. Or maybe now those ingredients give you heartburn <laughs> and don't sit as well. Are there ones that you need to retire for a bit? Has it gotten kind of bland, the recipe? Do you need to experiment with something? Do you need to maybe put in a metaphorical dash of red wine <laughs> to give something a shot and see if it works? You can always, right, you can always try again if the ingredient doesn't work. So do you need less smothering? <laughs> I know for me sometimes I have to ask myself that. I do a lot. Uh, and I think I'm at a point where um, I don't have too many ingredients, but I really can't add any more. I'll tell you that. Uh, and so I don't really feel the need to experiment or add anything and not necessarily uh, take anything out. Same thing with my relationships. You know, the relationships that I have, where they are, as they are, kind of fit for me right now. Uh, particularly when I look at them this way, the ones that um, I'm not as connected with uh, at the current moment, I want them to last. I want them to, be, to remain important. So if that takes them kind of sitting on the shelf for a little while out of the rotation, uh, I'm okay with that because I know when the time comes, I'll want to pick it up again. Right? So as we move forward thinking about this, maybe wonder yourself, uh, any ingredients you need to add or take out? Is there a relationship that you have that maybe needs to simmer or sit, go on the shelf for a little while? to maintain your love of it in the long run? Because sometimes any of those are what's needed. And it takes us wanting our own life recipe to stay appealing and our relationship recipes to remain important and tasty to us. It takes that desire to commune together over that next meal in order for us, I think, to really get the best out of ourselves and out of our relationships. So the next time that we take that meal with somebody else, whether that's a phone conversation, a letter, email, a group get together. We want that to be kind of like cooking the sauce again for the first time after a while, conjuring up all the good things, thinking of the good things, thinking of the enjoyment, um, wondering whether it needs an additional ingredient this time or another. Right? It's no coincidence, I think, that we bond as people so tightly over food. And maybe this is just one different way to look at it and wonder about it. And of course, in all those things, you know, people aren't recipes, but communication, acceptance, and care need to be involved when we add, subtract, experiment anything with ourselves and in relationships. So this week, maybe resuscitate a favorite recipe. See what comes up for you with it. What memories, what ideas, experiences, what thoughts about what you could add or subtract or experiment could you make? And just see what comes up and see maybe if that will give you a little bit more of a connection to what I'm talking about. Anyway, that's just for this week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of This Show is All About You. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnick, and I look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, chins up, everyone.